1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 21. Beginning in verse 13, the scripture says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in For as much as ye know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. Looking at the subject, the hope of our salvation. The believers to whom Peter was writing in this book were suffering terrible persecution. They'd lost their homes, jobs, money, possessions, and a number of them, family members, and even freedom. They were being persecuted because they were living for Christ and proclaiming salvation, the hope of eternal life. And it did not set well with everybody during that day. They faced opposition from the Jewish community. They faced opposition from the political community, the, uh, the government. Emperor worship was popular during that time, and many folks refused to bow to the emperor, having received Christ as their savior and saw him as their only God. Well, people were willing to hear about salvation, hope, and eternal life in Christ, but they didn't want to hear about repentance. That's what Peter is addressing here. They were just like people of all ages today. They don't want to hear about righteousness and godliness. They want to hear about going to heaven, but they don't want to hear why. Because we're sinners in need of a Savior. They want to hear of the blessings. They want to come to church and hear good things, but they don't want to hear about the responsibility or accountability that goes along with it. As people turned against these believers to whom Peter is writing, it was naturally a disappointing and discouraging time for them. But what was Peter doing here? He was writing them and seeking to encourage them to continue to do right. And by the way, Peter and Paul as well as uh, James and John, in writing these letters in the New Testament, we find the basis of many of them was seeking to be an encouragement to them in living for the Lord in difficult days. That's why, that's one reason why, the Word of God is so applicable to us today. It's written for the purpose of seeking to be an encouragement to us and helping us to trust the Lord as we live in this wicked, ungodly world. The anti-God atmosphere around us, the Bible calls the world, the world's philosophy, the ideology of, of Satan, actually. 
Remember the God of this world. He's seeking to deceive people and draw him to himself. That's why the Bible calls him the Antichrist. He is the opposite of Jesus Christ. Peter presented to his believers in this passage that we read five spiritual admonitions to encourage them to maintain their faithfulness as they walk with the Lord. And so today and over coming weeks, we're going to look at these things he addressed. We'll see here in verse uh, 13, he deals with the glory of God. In verses 14 and 15, the holiness of God. Verse 16, the word of God. Verse 17, the judgment of God. And verses 18 through 21, the love of God. So let me encourage you to notice with me verse 13 this morning as we consider this topic, the glory of God. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is brought uh, to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now that phrase, the revelation of Jesus Christ, is another expression used by believers for the living hope or the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, Christians live in the future tense. Let me explain that by saying our present actions and decisions are governed by heaven. I think you would agree with me. We choose to live the way we do because we know one day we're going to be in heaven with the Lord. And by the way, the things we do on earth today are being observed by our Lord in heaven. So what we do today has, a, has the future in mind. A lot of folks who live for today, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Their idea is to just have a good time today because that's all we're guaranteed. Well, for believers, we're guaranteed eternal life with Christ and therefore choose, ought to choose to live a certain way for the Lord today. Well, that's what Peter is getting at here. Revelation twenty one twenty three says, And the city had no need of sun, neither of moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Looking forward to that time when we will be in heaven with the Lamb of God, who was slain from the foundation of the world. Three things we want to notice here in this verse. First, a disciplined mind. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. This is a very vivid phrase to Peter's recipients, to his readers. You see, the men in the East wore long, flowing robes, but it made it difficult for them to get around quickly. What it was referring to was when they needed to move about quickly, men would reach down, they would grab the bottom of their their robes, and they would pull it up and tuck it in a band, like a belt, around their waist. And so they would gird it up. That allowed them a freedom to move without those robes, restricting them as they got around. So Peter is telling them, he's using this phrase with the idea of girding up the loins of your mind. We need to make sure we're not allowing ourselves to be hindered, our thoughts be hindered, by all those extra things that are going on in life. It's easy to allow all the minutiae of the day to slow us down, 
to hinder our thought process, if you will. You know, the English equivalent with this, to this would be you know, to roll up your sleeves and get to work. I'm take my jacket off, roll up my sleeves, I'm going to get to work. Well, with them, they understood what he was saying here. He's saying, have a disciplined mind. Don't let your mind get slowed down by all the different things you can give your thoughts to. You know, outlook determines outcome. And attitude determines action. Colossians 3.2 says, Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. When we're thinking about heaven, does it not impact what we do in this life? Sure. Our mind is focused on that which is good and pleasing to the Lord. How does one go about focusing on things that are good? Focusing on heaven, thinking about that. I mean, if you listen to the radio, if you watch the news on television, if you just if you're around people, you are bombarded with all kinds of stuff that are anything other than godly. How do we how do we work through that? Second Corinthians chapter ten, Paul said, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Then he says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So how do we gird up the loins of our mind? By bringing our thoughts into the obedience of Christ. It's it's the process of substitution. I think I've shared this with you before, but and some of you probably did growing up. You, you listen to a lot of rock music. Man, I, man I, I listened to it constantly. And when I got saved, it was hard to get those songs out of my mind. Because, I mean, you'd hear something and boom, all of a sudden they're playing. So, so I, I talked to a, a, an older Christian when that happened. Was, I was a young Christian. He says, well, when that happens, just it, it's hard to just put it out of your mind. So you need to replace it with something. So just... Learn some, some Christian hymns, and when that happens, just start singing those Christian hymns. By the way, the Bible tells <laughs> speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And, well, I started doing that. Uh, one, one song I, I sang uh, most often in my mind was, was, Heaven Came Down and Glory Filled My Soul. I must have sung that song, gone through that song in my mind a million times. Just the first verse. That's the only one I knew. And, and that's, <laughs> but, but it's the idea that you have to replace it with something. Casting down imaginations and bringing every thought to the obedience of Christ. How do we go about that in regard to our everyday activities? Well, Paul said, I want you to think about these things. Well, that's interesting. It helps us. Okay, what are we supposed to think about? We're supposed to think about things that are true and honest and just and pure and lovely and of good report things of virtue, and things of praise. When you're thinking about those things, it's hard to be caught up in the things of the world. It's the idea, what am I going to allow to flow through my mind? What am I going to allow my thoughts to be given to? And we as Christians, we have a choice. We can think about filth, or we can think about that which is godly. We can think about what we hear on the news, or we can think about what the Bible says. Now, granted, I'm not talking about being a a hermit in our mind and not being aware of our surroundings and what's going on, but the idea is 
you hear the news, you take it in, but you don't allow yourself to be overwhelmed by it. Because when we go to scripture that we've memorized and we've meditated upon, it helps us to have a balance and to have things work together in this regard in our mind. Uh, The word imagine deals with our thought process. Those things need to be brought into captivity for Christ. It's easy to allow our thoughts to run away from us. And that's in regard to anything. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. So rather than worrying about them, pray about them. But a disciplined mind, it's a matter of choosing what we're going to think about and not allowing our thoughts to be driven by others. Well, that's, that's the trick of the media today, isn't it? That if you don't conform to what they're saying and you don't follow along with their agenda, there's something wrong with you. Well, no. You know, let's go ahead and weigh things out. Try the spirits, the scripture says in 1 John 4. We need to weigh out what we're hearing with what we know to be true. And the only thing we know to be true is what the word of God tells us. That's why Paul wrote to the Romans saying, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul told them, we have the mind of Christ. If we have the mind of Christ, we ought to think like Christ. We have to have a disciplined mind. But also, this verse says we need a sober mind. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober. In other words, sober in Scripture means one of two things. It could mean uh, to not become intoxicated by alcohol or drugs. Or it could mean to be sober in mind and behavior, to be controlled, to be temperate. You know, the idea of self-control is an important aspect of the Christian life. And that, I believe, is what Peter is talking about here. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober. So the idea is, you get your thought process right, it's going to have an impact on your behavior and what you do. You think right, you do right. You think wrong, you do wrong. Napoleon Bonaparte is credited with saying, every battle is first won or lost in the mind. If we have a sober mind, a mind that is under control, that is temperate, that is calm. You know, it's important for a believer to be calm, to be steady, to be controlled, and to weigh matters. Luke chapter 10, verse 41, Jesus um, spoke to Martha, and he said, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. Wow. We need to be careful not to allow those things that we think about to get to the point where they're troubled and they impact our activity. You know, this whole COVID thing, there were a lot of folks who were just literally afraid to leave their homes. That's one thing to be careful. But it's another thing to allow the media to 
push us into a corner when we're afraid to live and to exist. Some people are so afraid of the political climate of the day, they're ready to just pull away and become a new nation or move to another country or somehow rebel against the na- the, the, their government. I don't think that's the right move. You see, we need to make sure our, our thoughts don't get carried away to the point that they move us to unbiblical or errant activities. That's why we need to be of a sober mind. We need to be calm. We need to be cautious. Be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. How we need to be careful in that regard. Peter, writing to these people, said, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, keep a handle on your thoughts, be sober, don't let those thoughts move you to do things that are dishonoring to the Lord and displeasing to Him. And then we need to have an optimistic mind. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end. For the grace that is brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ our thought process impacts our activities, but it also impacts our outlook on the future. As far as the world's concerned, the future's not looking so good. I think we have to acknowledge that. But for us as believers, everyone who has repented of his or her sin and received Christ as Savior, the outlook is is pretty good. You know, we talk about uh, the uplook. Yes, that's exactly what it is. The idea that we, as we look to him, our hope is not in this world. Our hope is not in our government. Our hope is not in the president. Our hope is not in uh, a local strong militia. Our hope is not in a healthy society. Our hope is in the Lord. And we'll see things crumble around us, but that's no reason for us to be discouraged. Now, put this in the context that it's written. Peter is writing to believers, as we mentioned at the beginning, who were facing great persecution. And he's saying, don't worry. It's going to get better. It may not get better in this life, but this life isn't the end of the story. It's what comes after this life. So as Peter is writing to these folks, he's referring to the hope to the end, and actually, and hope to the end. He's encouraging them to keep their eyes on the cross, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Someone has said, when the outlook is gloomy, try the uplook. Yes, that phrase hope to the end that he says here in this passage, it means to set your hope fully. Not partially, not occasionally, but fully, completely. This helps us to understand there's a divide between the nominal Christian, the Christian in word only, and a sincere, dedicated, genuine Christian. You put those three types of people in a situation, it's the genuine Christian who's looking beyond the circumstances, 
who's not worried about the physical results or the temporal blessing, but he or she is looking forward to those eternal glories. Hope to the end. Have to admit, there's not a lot of hope on the horizon for for what we see going on in our culture and in our society, is there? But aren't you glad we have that blessed hope, that great assurance where one day we'll be with the Lord, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. To the Colossians, Paul wrote, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. To the Hebrews, or in the book of Hebrews, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. An interesting picture there. You're picturing the temple or the tabernacle, and you have the veil separating the holy of holies. And it was only into the holy of holies uh, the high priest could go once a year for the, uh, the sacrifice on the day of atonement, making an offering for the sin of the nation and for the sin of the people. But the illustration here our Lord uses, I believe Paul, the writer of Hebrews, uses, is that anchor within the veil. Our anchor, the hope of our salvation, settled, steady, sure, but it's within the veil. It is in the Holy of Holies. You see that that represented to the people of, of God the place where the Lord resided or where he rested in the presence of the people. So our anchor is settled, is secure in Christ. That's good news for anyone who's um, faced with uncertainties in this life. Don't know where we're going to be financially, physically, politically, or socially in days to come. But we are assured we have a home in heaven. First John chapter 3. You see, each, each of the, the New Testament writers addressed this. It said, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that we shall, when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Yes, this great hope. An optimistic mind. These three areas, Peter just begins in this passage, this paragraph, if you will, of offering encouragement, saying it's got to start right here. That's where encouragement begins. Recognizing that this world is not the end. This world is, is not all God has to offer, but there is much more. We have, need to have a disciplined mind so our thoughts are sober, our thoughts are in control. And then as well, have a sober mind so that our actions follow our good thoughts rather than our bad ones, if you will, than an optimistic mind looking forward to that eternal hope, that eternal home in glory. Someone has said, God shows his glory through blessings on our life. We took a few minutes earlier in the service to give you an opportunity to mention some of the things for which we can glorify God for his goodness whether you actually voiced a thought on that or kept that thought to yourself, no doubt things went through your mind. Blessings 
that God has bestowed upon you, we have much to be thankful for. And this matter, the hope of our salvation in regard to a godly mind, by having a disciplined mind, a sober mind, and an optimistic mind, we can overcome the struggles and troubles and trials of this life. So with that, I want to just encourage you to look to the Lord. Make sure your hope, your faith, your trust is in him.